Welcome to the SaaS Sales Performance Podcast, the show for anyone wanting to be on the cutting edge of SaaS tech sales. We provide the tools you need to take advantage of the rapidly changing sales environment. We bring you the leading experts on the front lines of SaaS sales and distill down our famous masterclasses into bite-sized practical tips. Your hosts will be Ash Ali and Matt Milligan. And on this podcast, we'll be helping you transform your ability to sell more so you can smash your targets. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the next episode of the SaaS Sales Performance Podcast. I'm joined on today's show by an amazing sales leader who's new in seat with a a really exciting opportunity for a brand that for those in the SaaS space will know very well. So I'm joined today by Rebecca Drew, who is the EMEA sales leader at Vidyard. The focus of today's session, we're going to be talking about Rebecca's journey into sales, her time at LinkedIn. We're going to be going into some of the specifics as to how she rose through the ranks and and is now leading a really exciting journey for Vidyard here in EMEA. We're also going to be talking about how the sales environment and the sales profession has evolved during that time and tools like, like video and what Vidyard are doing are really helping sales professionals adapt and excel. Rebecca, welcome to the show. Great to have you. Where are you joining us from today? So I'm in leafy North London this morning. So coming from my home office where I've been for the last almost two years. So yeah. Awesome. Um, We're recording this for those listening in in the future, two days before Christmas uh, 2021. Very unusual times. We kind of feel like we were coming out of this, this pandemic, been thrown back into a period of uncertainty. Rebecca, your journey into Vidyard and, and where you are today, I mean, obviously the, the, the last 18 months has been just the most unique period of time that, that, that any of us can remember. But take us back, if you will. I mean, how, how did you get into sales and how did you start your career off? Yeah. So I've been in sales for 20 years. If I go way, way back, I was doing my A-levels at night school. I was kind of working in a bar and my younger brother came to live with me. So I had to go and get an office job. So I walked into a recruitment agency on the high street in Leicester and said, look, you know, I'm, I'm looking for an office job. And because I'd worked in a bar and, you know, I had a bit of chat, they were like, oh, this could be interesting if you thought about recruitment. So I started there. I was there for a few years doing my A-levels and then went off to university in Leeds. And whilst I was at uni in Leeds, going from working in a full-time job to then actually, you know, doing 10 hours of lectures a week kind of felt like a, you know, I needed to, you know, needed to work at the same time and obviously wanted to have that lifestyle that wasn't necessarily a student lifestyle. There was a Leeds Innovation Centre that was opposite the university where it had startup businesses. And I went and joined one of the um, first cloud businesses actually in the UK, which was a company called Masternaut. So I started there. I was working part time, essentially doing telemarketing. But there was three people in the company at the time. You know, we didn't have a CRM system. It was literally kind of pieces of paper. And I was calling transport managers and fleet managers, trying to sell them telematics, basically, and booking appointments for our CEO. But that was a fantastic experience, you know, working in a startup, you know, you're kind of building the plane while you're flying it. It was such a such a good kind of like grounding and just really gave me that bug for, for sales, really. I could, you know, I was, I was top performer there, even working two and a half days a week, which was fantastic. And yeah, I got bitten by the by the sales bug, basically. So, so that's kind of how I got into it. And then when I graduated from uni, I moved down to London, went back into recruitment for a couple of years, paid off all my student debts because, you know, recruitment was very lucrative. And then I actually joined a management consulting firm. So when I graduated from university, I actually originally wanted to be a a management consultant. But I also knew that I loved sales. 
So I loved the strategy, but I loved sales as well. And I got a fantastic opportunity to work actually managing a recruitment arm within a management consulting business. So it kind of, you know, ticked both boxes for me. So I did that for about five years through the business there. Fantastic experience working with some super smart people, which was, you know, really inspiring and, and brilliant. Um, and it was funny because I was using LinkedIn in my role and, you know, I was almost like a LinkedIn evangelist and the go-to person within the business for all things LinkedIn. And then an opportunity came to work for LinkedIn and I was like, wow, okay, this is this is amazing. I actually thought at the time LinkedIn was run by elves. I didn't actually realise that people work there, but I had a fantastic time at LinkedIn. It was such a, a special company. And again, you know, kind of like hyper growth business. We were about 2000 people when I joined back in 2012 and then, yeah, we uh, I was 16,000 people by the time I left. So started as an account executive, moved up through the ranks and then started leading teams in 2015 and haven't looked back, really. It's been an incredible journey, learning every single day. So left there to join another rocket ship, which was ACG, A Cloud Guru, and actually implemented Vidyard at my previous company. And we saw some incredible, incredible results. So hence the reason why I'm now at Vidyard, basically. So, you know, I've always been an evangelist. I've always, you know, worked with the technology that I'm then going to, to go and sell. So it's been a great journey. Yeah, it's brilliant. A number of my advisors in this business at UHubs keep encouraging me to look at hiring my clients for that reason. So super interesting to see how you kind of used LinkedIn, then went to work for LinkedIn. You've done the same now with Vidyard. I'd imagine, Rebecca, that the time you joined LinkedIn, you know, US tech companies coming over to Europe wasn't such a a well-trodden path at that stage, right? Did you see that as quite a risky move at the time? I was just so sold on on LinkedIn. Like I say, I'd been using the tools. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why I was so successful there was because I just lived and breathed LinkedIn. Like I knew how good it was. I knew how it transformed the way I was working. And I could see a real kind of like path here for for further growth. But it was, it was very early days. I mean, we were in a, you know, a serviced office in Cavendish Square and, you know, there's about 30 people in the office back then. It was definitely a risk, but it was something that I just believed in. So I had to get on the bus. Yeah. And what a a great decision that that proved out to be. It sounds like you had an amazing experience there. One point that that I found particularly fascinating about your journey as you just took us through it there as well was the the fact that you started in recruitment. Some of the best salespeople that I've worked with have started their careers in, in recruitment. Would you recommend kind of recruitment as a good place to cut your teeth? Yeah, I think I think recruitment's really interesting, right? Because it is sales, but you're selling people essentially, right? And I think, you know, what recruitment enables you to do is have real kind of like compassion and put yourself into the person's shoes, like because it's really important when you're placing someone in a in a job, you know, it's not just a job. This is their career. This is something that's going to impact their family. You know, one particular sort of placement that I made, you know, the guy was just so grateful. He said, like, you don't know what this means for my, you know, my family. It gives you the sales skills, okay? It enables you to build up resilience and, you know, you get a lot of kind of like no's in recruitment um, and you have to, you know, spin a lot of plates, right? You've got lots of different candidates all with different needs and wants and you're negotiating all the time. So I think there's some fantastic skills that you build in recruitment. And like I said, I mean, I've hired some fantastic salespeople and, you know, they've come from recruitment before in the past. So I'm a big fan. Yeah. Absolutely. So let's fast forward then to the latter part of the journey. You just took us through there. ACG sounded like a really great experience. Then you had the exit there. You went through that transition. How long had you been using Vidyard in your current role before you kind of things came back around and the universe uh, worked in its weird and wonderful way? Yeah, so we'd we'd started using it for free in the team. So there were a lot of people who were just using it free and you can use Vidyard for free. And I would encourage everyone, you know, to sign up. 
and start, you know, sort of playing around with it and making some videos. So we started in, in that way and we just saw that it was, you know, driving really good results. So we upgraded to the paid for solutions about six months before I left. And it was so funny that, you know, we were running competitions with the team about who could book the most meetings. We had like a, almost like a Eurovision, we had a a bit of fun with it, like a Eurovision song contest for, you know, the best video pitch, for example, like less than a minute. Like if you, you know, if you had to do a a one minute video pitch, what that would look like. So we were using it for for a while before I moved on to, to Vidyard. And like I say, I just saw the results. So it's just so easy when, you know, when you know something works and you can internalize it and you believe in it. It's just much easier than to to you know go out into the market and evangelize about it. So at the kind of beginning of our conversation, we spoke about how much the profession's changed, particularly in the last 18 months. I mean, if we take one specific use case there, you know, account executives no longer any FaceTime in any of, of the sales process, you know, it's all now fully remote sales cycles. What are some of the big, big changes that you've observed, either in the kind of team that you left at ACG or in your new role at Vidyard? How do you think the kind of professions had to adapt? this past year well it's interesting i think there's there was a there was a a move anyway even before the pandemic you could see how and i've seen this in the last 10 years right buyers are much more informed they're much more sophisticated they're they're doing their own research so that's the kind of backdrop that we were working with anyway if i go back to my you know my, my beginning of my career it was very much sales were sales right and it was it was all about how you sell your solution to, to to the client Whereas I think now it's, you know, it's almost like a a trusted advisor partnership that you have to work with the buyer to help them to buy and really kind of guide them through the process. So and really, you know, what's happened in the last 18 months, you know, almost two years now is, you know, relationships matter. Right. And it's about how do you build that connection? How do you build that trust with those buyers so that you can ultimately help them towards a solution? And I think, you know, for me, I've always, always felt just because, you know, I, I make no apologies. I'm a salesperson. I'll, I'll always be a salesperson at heart. But, you know, for me, sales is just solving problems because sometimes the client doesn't know they have a problem. Right. And it's about asking a, a series of really thoughtful questions that helps the client to come to that realization that, oh, actually, you know what? This could really help me. Building that connection is so important, especially now when, you know, we almost have to over index on it because, you know, we're not there face to face. We're not taking clients for lunch. We're not kind of breaking bread. You know, there's a different dynamic now to sales. So, yeah, it's all about building that connection. You mentioned management consulting earlier in the call. You know, that was my background. And I actually learned, you know, we're kind of Miller Hyman training, but I learned to sell mostly through just watching partners sell consulting projects. And I'm working with a similar client at the moment who comes from a consulting background and he's actually looking at alternative talent pools because the market's so hot right now. And consulting is one place that he's going to look. And you know, how can we take that kind of consultative skill set where it's very much focused on solving problems for the client? And then how can we teach them some some core sales skills alongside that? But it's it, it's quite a leap to make, isn't it? I mean, if you think about how we were selling five to 10 years ago, you know, that you had a kind of very robust playbook. It was more kind of like feature led. And now it feels like we're much more of a, an ally to our clients. And as you said, kind of partnering with them to solve their problems as opposed to just trying to hand over a solution. You know, I think what's what I've seen in the last five years, and it was something that we started 
really kind of doing when I started at LinkedIn and I just completely embraced it because I like I say it was it was about storytelling right and it was about how do you kind of engage with your prospects your client through telling those kind of like stories and again I think one of the things that had really helped me when I started as an account executive was because I had those stories myself you know I had those stories that I could share with the clients of well actually this is how I used it and this is the value I got and that is so powerful when you can say that to a client and, and it's true. And, you you know, like I say, you live and breathe it and you've got those pocket stories of, oh, right. OK, and this is how you could do it, because you just need to, sometimes you need to translate your kind of value proposition into their world. Give them some inspiration of actually how they're going to drive the maximum value out of out of the, you know, the tool or the platform or, or whatever it is that you're selling. Yeah, absolutely. Like the storytelling is we're seeing is massive across our clients at the moment. Client communication, mm-hmm. the way in which you continue and nurture relationships has become more more important as well. Been really interesting to kind of see that shift. For your current team, then obviously you, you're building this kind of new team from scratch in in Amir with Vidyard now and a really exciting journey to be on. What are the kind of attributes that you're looking for in the team that you're building, Rebecca? I always look for four key things, basically, if I'm if I'm hiring any great salespeople. And like I said, I've hired so many people over my, you know, my kind of leadership career, probably what, 50 plus people I've hired, like, you know, in, in various kind of hyper growth businesses. But first thing I look for is curiosity. Okay. So I, it's the four C's basically. So the first thing is curiosity. So I'm really looking for someone who just has that natural curiosity, wants to know more, wants to ask that extra question, wants to kind of peel back the layers and is genuinely kind of curious about the client's business and and helping them. That's kind of like the, you know, the first piece. The second piece is around coachability. Okay. So, you know, I look for people who have a growth mindset. I look for people who, you know, want to develop and, you know, have got the ability to, you know, listen to feedback, listen to coaching and, and kind of figure figure out a path forward, right? And every single person is different. It was one of the biggest kind of light bulb moments when I moved into a leadership career was just how different everyone is and the way that different people work. But I think if you can be coachable, you're willing to learn and you're and you have a positive mindset. I think that's that's absolutely key. So that's the that's the second thing. The other thing as well is someone who's collaborative, right? So when I'm building teams, when you know we're scaling businesses, like you haven't got everything figured out, right? And I want people who are going to be collaborative, who are going to work together, who are going to kind of like feedback to the business as well, because we're building it together, right? So, you know, people who are collaborative want to work with others and want to find solutions to, you know, challenges that we're facing, right? So someone who's very, very collaborative. And then the final thing is commitment. And, you know, that's not just a, you know, that doesn't mean working long hours. I'm a big believer in work-life balance. You know, I've been on my own journey when it comes to things like that. And, you know, I've had sort of burnout before in the past. So I've definitely, it's not working long hours at all. When I talk about commitment, what I mean is commitment to themselves and to the team, right? So the commitment to themselves to really really achieve their full potential so someone who wants to has that drive to um you know to really continue to develop and be on that sort of continuous improvement i'm a big sort of japanophile so i love any anything around kaizen and i talk to my teams often about that that kind of continuous improvement piece but then also you know commitment to the team and commitment to our clients right so you know it's having that commitment to to make things better and i always say to the team you know with every interaction that you have with a prospect or a client you should be adding value 
Okay, the client should come away, whether they decide to purchase or not, right? They should come away from that experience, that interaction with some value add. And, you know, I've I've worked in businesses, obviously LinkedIn, you know, 99% of people don't pay for LinkedIn. And obviously we were selling enterprise solutions and it's about, well, even if you're not going to kind of like partner with us right now, I want to make sure that you're set up for success using the, you know, the free tool. I think that's, that, that's so important. Yeah, I love that. The four C's and a collaborative is, is one that is is interesting because you quite often see competitiveness mentioned in that kind of cluster or grit, you know, which I think was kind of similar to, to commitment. But collaborative, particularly in the early stages, just feels like it's it's such a non-negotiable, right? And that's the thing, like it builds the culture of the team. Like, you know, I'm not interested in lone wolves. You know, I want someone who's going to feel part of the team, who's going to contribute to the team because it just makes for a much nicer environment. You know, I always talk about hashtag one team, right? And, you know, no matter how many teams we're working with, we're all one team. And I've seen it before in the past where, you know, you have different teams and they've got competing sort of, you know, priorities and, you know, it just, yeah, it can get really messy and and not very pleasant. So that collaboration piece for me is so, so important. How do you screen for some of those attributes during the recruitment process? Do you have like any kind of tips or frameworks or approaches that have worked really well? So on the curiosity thing, my first interviews, I tend to keep it relatively informal. You know, I'm really fascinated. Again, I'm, I'm just curious about people's journey, right? And, you know, how they got to where they are and the decisions they've made along the way. So that's usually kind of how I, how I start the, you know, the, the, the first stage interview. But then I leave a lot of time at the end for them to ask me questions. There's nothing worse. It kind of breaks my heart when I see, you know, good salespeople who just don't ask questions in an interview. And it's like, you know, this is your opportunity. You've got, you know, I'm here, I'm open. I will tell you anything that you want to know. Like, please, please ask me questions. You know, that's how, that's how I would test for that, really. Like, what are the quality of the questions that they're asking? Are they the stock, you know, oh, you know, what's it like to work here and stuff, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that question. But, you know, something a little bit more thoughtful, perhaps. The coachability piece. So, you know, as part of interview processes, you know, sometimes we'll run role plays, right? So we'll give the candidate a, an exercise to do, perhaps do a role play. And what I like to do, it after the role play when we kind of break from role play and role plays are a bit weird and stuff and everyone kind of like some people love them and like some people just will they kind of like feel a bit funny about them but once we've kind of like broken for you know at the end of the role play is always asking them you know the coaching questions right how do you feel that you did and like what would you've done differently and I'm looking for that self-awareness I'm looking for them to be able to recognize where they perhaps had a gap or something that they would have done differently next time. So that's something that you can test during the interview process. I mean, the collaboration piece, I'm asking questions about, you know, what have they done that's outside of their core role? Okay, how have they moved their company or their organization forward outside of just doing the day job, right? And I'm looking for people who, you know, seek out those what I call like extracurricular activities and how they work together with cross-functional teams. Like, you know, have they been on a tiger team working on a particular project? That's super helpful. And then the commitment thing, you know, there was a fantastic question I picked up from my my old boss when I was at LinkedIn, Ollie Sharp, shout out to Ollie. But he always used to ask like, you know, the question of, well, how do you develop yourself? And I just love that question because, you know, that kind of demonstrates what their commitment is to themselves and how they're developing themselves. So, you know, things like what, you know, what was the last book you read or any kind of podcast that you like that are really interesting, you know, that's a a great way to test that. And then also get them talking about in the context of commitment to their clients, like again, how have they gone above and beyond or how have they kind of, you know, have they added value to a client when the client didn't purchase and talk me through, through that. So there's, there's lots of ways that I've, I've sort of tested for those things. 
some great tips there for anyone who's currently applying for Vidyard vacancies in EMEA, but also <laughs> great tips for, for sales leaders who are hiring everywhere. The importance of getting those hires right just is so crucial. I was having a conversation with a client recently about a, a recent research report that Gartner did and you know the cost of a bad sales hire is as high as almost four hundred thousand dollars on average. So you know that's really going to slow you down, and it's going to it's going to restrict you and potentially prevent you from hitting your number. So some great tips there. The the only one that I will add, I had a great conversation with Quinn Falk at Snowflake recently on this pod, and Quinn was saying that his top tip for coachability is the role play, as you mentioned but then actually to, to give them feedback and then to just run it again, which I love, you know, it's such a simple exercise, but actually just spending that extra time and getting them to do it again shows that they're not only willing to take on yeah. the feedback, but they're willing to put it into practice. I love that. And and like I say, I mean, I've worked with, I've got a fantastic team at the minute. I mean, they really are incredible. And it's just so inspiring actually I mean that is the word to use it's so inspiring when you're working with someone in your team and you know you give them some feedback and they absolutely nail it on the next go and it's like you, you only have to tell them once and they just you know they internalize it they they think right okay I'm, I'm going to do this and it's and it's brilliant like there's there's been some examples where we might have given like three or four points of feedback and you know you expect them to get one or two of them in the next go but you know the team are actually nailing it which is amazing so yeah that's just yeah such a such a great tip Great to hear. Yeah, thanks for sharing. Let's talk Vidyard, Rebecca. I mean, for those listening who haven't heard of Vidyard, what is Vidyard? What's it about? What's the kind of vision behind the business and where's it, where's it headed? So Vidyard is essentially like a, a video for business platform, right? So it started out as a video hosting solution. So you know, think about it almost like YouTube, but without the adverts, right? And companies uh, tend to be kind of like marketing use case would actually host their videos on, on Vidyard. But the power behind all of that is one, it's they own that real estate. Okay. So there's no kind of videos and kind of pictures of cats or kind of like crazy videos that are going to follow it. So they absolutely own that space. But then it's the analytics off the back of it. So, you know, we have native integrations with all different marketing automation platforms. And, and what that does is that helps marketing professionals to be able to ultimately, you know, lead score and be able to say, well, actually, let's really kind of like go after the people who are already engaging with our content, right? So, so that's kind of like the marketing use case. And that's where we where we came from. But then over the last sort of you know five years, we've sort of flipped the balance now. So actually, eighty percent of what we what we do is the sales use case. And what's what I love about the sales profession is, you know, they're they're always innovating. They're always thinking about, you know, new ways of doing things. So that's really kind of where, where we've had a lot of the growth over the last few years. So it's salespeople who are using video to really kind of stand out from the crowd. And a lot of people think that, you know, video is just for prospecting. It's not. I mean, it's, you know, it's from prospecting to proposal to post-sale. It's throughout the whole sales process. HubSpot did a uh, did a study where they looked at actually the data over the last, um, well, since the pandemic started. And the number of emails that are being sent out now has doubled and the response rates have gone down. So what that means is, you know, there's a lot of noise out there. And what we we enable companies and salespeople to do is ultimately to stand out from that crowd in a very, very noisy market. So it's about how you use video to really kind of like engage with prospects, but then engage them throughout the sales process. Like I say, I mean, the, the amount of times when, when I was an account executive in the going back 10 years now, obviously, you'd always want to get the client on a proposal call so you can talk them through the proposal. But in the absence of that, for whatever reason, 
you know, you'd, you'd send over a proposal and you'd have to have a, like a big, long email trying to articulate the reason why, you know, I'd given them this proposal and how this proposal was going to marry to their, you know, their, their business challenges and their, you know, what they were looking to achieve. And now I can do that in a two minute video <laughs> and it's much more engaging. You get the context, you know, you can come across more human. There's like, you know, the tone in there as well about what you're looking to, you know, really kind of convey that's what we do basically and we do have other kind of like use cases i mean there's the majority of um you know our sort of icp is really in that sort of SaaS tech space just because you know obviously quite forward thinking you know in terms of the you know the way that they're operating but then we have you know real kind of like weird and wacky peripheral use cases right so you know roofing companies like we've just been nominated for a you know a roofing innovation app award where you know people who are roofers for example they're actually taking videos to demonstrate like the problems with the roof and then sharing that with the you know with the with the client it's it's crazy there are some weird really kind of like weird and wonderful things outside of the you know the typical use case that we see but it can be used across the board and if you think about it it's just about it's just about how do you engage and you know kind of build build those relationships and that trust with people through video rather than a text-based email, basically. Super interesting. I, I'm really curious to to hear like where the, the kind of roofing niche came about. Like I, I can't imagine that you had a kind of pod or an AE focused on selling to that segment, but that's, um, that's awesome. Totally resonates. And to share like a personal experience, you know, like this week had like a late stage deal here at U-Hubs and there was a, a, a kind of last minute or late change to the scope of the the contract and you know we added an item tried to articulate that via email and the client turned around and said look i need to take some time out and just reflect on what this is i don't fully understand what we're getting now you know looking back at it maybe video could have been a great alternative way of articulating what the new edition was yeah and and that's the thing i mean we had we had an example this week where we're dealing with a sdr manager you know, he's looking at purchasing it for his team, but we haven't had line of sight into the, the CRO, right? So what's happened is, is you know, as, as is typical, the presentation and the price tag lands on the CRO's desk. And they've rightfully kind of like challenged and said, well, actually, like, what's the difference between kind of like, we're using it for free, like, why do we need to pay? And one of our team did a really nice two minute video talking directly to the CRO to say, okay, so I understand that these are these are the things that you're looking to achieve. The reason why, you know, a paid for solution will help you to accelerate towards those goals is kind of X, Y, Z, basically. And it was super punchy. Three reasons, basically, that all aligned with his business goals of why the paid for solutions are really going to help them to achieve those. So, you know, it's just that there's so many examples that, you know, we see all the time of how you can use it just to, like I say, drive more success. And and we know, you know, I mean, there's been studies done, sales loft um, see a 26% increase with, you know, open rates when videos included and kind of like reply rates, which is amazing. Proposify did a did a study where they looked at proposals that had video as part of the, the proposal. So it's kind of demonstrated through video. And the close rates went up anywhere from like 40% to 100%, depending on what the industry vertical was. So again, just kind of like demonstrating that, you know, if, if you want to, one, you know, book more meetings, you know, kind of engage with your clients better, close more deals, shorten the sales process, right? Asynchronous video is a way to do that. I spoke earlier in the call, and I think this is kind of a nice segue to finish on, you spoke about the importance of the commitment and being committed to your own personal development and growth as well. I'm curious as to why more reps aren't 
using video now? And do you think that it's an education thing? Like we need to just educate the market more. Do you think it's also that certain reps don't have the confidence or they need to upskill themselves and using video and get build more confidence in it? What, curious, like what, what do you think the, the reasons are? Because I don't receive nearly as many videos as I, as I do cold emails. Yeah, it's a funny thing, really. And and it's because when I first started using video, right, the first couple of times I recorded a video, you know, it was a little bit weird and a bit uncomfortable because it's, you know, it's, it's something different. But now it's just like second nature. So I think what happens is people start and they might, you know, kind of send a few videos and then they they kind of like, oh, I, you know, I haven't necessarily had like a positive response or something like that. So they then walk away from it. So it is about building confidence. But for me, like, any salesperson, like it's no different to just getting on a call with a client, getting on a Zoom call. You've just got to be yourself. You've got to be natural, smile, enjoy it. Like it doesn't have to be perfect. You know, we're all human, right? So just use it and and get used to it. And once you've kind of sent out a few videos, it's so, so much quicker as well. You know, rather than writing out a big, long email or, you know, all of those, all of those things, you can just send a quick video. My advice would be, you know, try it, stick with it, have some fun with it. Because like I say, it definitely will change. Yeah, it'll change change the game for you really well. Rebecca, I've really enjoyed our conversation today. It's been great chatting through your, your career, your journey, your insights, and super excited to see where this goes for you at, at Vidyard and really excited to see the, the impact that video can make to sales professionals around the world. For those who would like to connect with you or learn more about yourself or Vidyard, where is the best place for our audience to go? Absolutely LinkedIn. Like, yeah, tap me up on LinkedIn, connect with me. Send me a kind of like personal note as well. I kind of really appreciate personal notes in, in invites just to let me know why you want to connect. I'm building out a, a real sort of community here within EMEA. So always looking to collaborate with other businesses, you know, other companies. So yeah, just connect with me on LinkedIn and yeah, let's have a chat. Let's talk. Awesome. Rebecca, it's been great getting to know you recently and really looking forward to, to working together next year. And I know you're a Japanese fan, so arigato gozaimasu. <laughs> arigato. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks for the switch, Matt. It's been a pleasure. By uncovering blind spots on performance, motivation and skills, UHubs helps busy sales leaders at top SaaS companies to optimize their sales enablements so that they can develop reps and grow revenue. The UHubs Pulse platform visualizes each team's development needs, personalized upskilling, and provides data-driven coaching recommendations. These save sales managers 40 plus hours per quarter and help reps to ramp up 30% faster. Supercharge your sales team by booking a demo today.